The Soccer Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Claim your risk free bet up to $500 over at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash betrivers. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash betrivers. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. You are listening to Bet MUFC here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. You can follow Bet MUFC on X at Bet MUFC. That's at Bet MUFC. 
You can follow the Soccer Gambling Podcast at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. The X account for the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is at the SGP Network. That's at the SGP Network. You can also follow them at Gambling Podcast as well. And finally, make sure to follow my alternative X account. That's because I'm a tracked and transparent handicapper. And this is where I post my monthly profit and loss spreadsheet, along with some free plays. That one is at X. That's at X. LockBetting has now delivered 126 months in a row of transparent and tracked profit. You can have a look at the spreadsheet, which is posted on the X account, as I mentioned. I always post the latest spreadsheet and then pin it to the account. So the pin tweet on that account will always be the PL from the latest month. But if you want to do additional research, and I always encourage further due diligence, just head over to the lockbetting.com site and all of the spreadsheets are posted there. When you have a look through spreadsheets, don't just have a look to see if they end up profitable because all 126 are going to be profitable. Have a look at the type of bets that we do because we sensibly manage a bankroll We don't chase losers with bigger plays. We don't double the stake just for the sake of it. We don't actually have five unit plays or 10 unit plays or 20 unit plays or whale plays or max plays or play of the year nonsense on there. It's all sensible staking. It's all sensible bankroll management. And it has led to a monthly profit for over a decade, a consecutive monthly profit for 126 months in a row. If you're interested or have questions, shoot me a DM at the X account at X, Or if you simply want to sign up, just do that at the website lockbetting.com. So moving on, with this edition of BetMFC, where we are going to cover the game between Manchester United and Chelsea. But before we do that, we are most definitely going to recap the loss against Newcastle. And we are also going to play the full press conference that Eric Ten Hag gave to the media that were allowed to attend because Manchester United have banned certain members of the media now from press conferences for things that they wrote about United, things about there being turmoil at the club, things about there being issues between the players and the manager, the players not believing in the manager, um, just basically what Man United perceived to be made up stories about friction within the club. Now, obviously, Man United do concede that there is an element of unrest and dissatisfaction from how the season is going because Man United players are supposed to be winners. Man United players are supposed to be ambitious. And the main reason why there would be unrest would be because they are unhappy with their results. And the club line is that they're trying to improve, looking to improve their position and their performances, etc. But I think the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Yes, there's certainly been exaggerations from the press because Manchester United do sell newspapers and and draw eyes. The name Manchester United is probably number one for clickbait and that is what the journalists all know. So there are probably huge exaggerations when it comes to Manchester United. But at the same time, we cannot say all is right and the only thing that we're upset about is the results and some of the performances and all the players are moving in the right direction and that we're united as a team. That cannot be the case either. There are clearly, once again, leaks coming out of the club, much like there were leaks before when we had Ole Gunnar Solskjaer leaving and then we had Ralph Ragnick coming in. 
and there were definitive leaks coming through. So there are some problems here. It has been identified by some that there is a group at the club, a clique, that still is very disruptive and isn't working towards Manchester United being an improved team. Uh, Previously, that clique had the likes of Pogba and Lingard in it, but there are suggestions that Marcus Rashford remains and he is a disruptive influence. Aaron Wan-Bissaka is tied to that group. Jadon Sancho is tied to that group. And that we still have problems with these type of players who are a negative influence around the club. Others suggest that Harry Maguire is a leak and always has been a leak and always has been an issue depending on his game time. But now that he's playing, it's not as suggested as much that he's a leak. Um, There is a new rumour also going around that uh, Mason Mount is leaking information. And now Anthony has been put forward as another name as well. So lots and lots of rumours doing the rounds. But the end result has been that Manchester United have banned certain members of the press and those that are primarily covered the stories about unrest and the players wanting the manager out and namely no longer believing in the manager's tactics. Now, I've been one who's never come on and said, I want to see the manager go. I've not been very reactive to that. Others have. Others are very quickly, others are very quick to forget what happened last season where we're expected to do nothing. We were coming off a season where we finished sixth in the league and came close to winning nothing. Yet last season, we were in two cup finals. We should have won the Europa League after knocking out Barcelona. That was a complete collapse against Sevilla. And uh, we then went on to finish in a Champions League position as well. So I was very happy with what we did last season. I felt Ten Hag almost worked a miracle to do what he did. But that has been quickly forgotten by people who want to see him go after a bad start to the season. But what's more concerning to me than the results is the fact that when Manchester United go to somewhere like Sheffield United... When Manchester United go to somewhere like Newcastle, and I'm more concerned really about the Sheffield United one, um, we're dominated. We allow ourselves to go to away games and the team see us coming into town and think it's only Manchester United. Manchester United have a weak underbelly. Manchester United aren't strong at their core and we can get to them. We can put pressure on them. We can attack them. We don't go to away games and control the game. We don't go to away games and have more possession, more XG, more corners, more shots. We don't go there and take control as the better side. And this is a prominent feature in every single away game and often in some home games as well. It's not like things reverse when we are an underdog and we are hosting Manchester City suddenly We let Manchester City know that they're at Old Trafford. Suddenly, we utilise the atmosphere to get on top of them from the the very start. And despite the fact that we have a differential in quality, we don't make up for it by jumping on them straight away, like teams do with us. When Sheffield United have a differential in quality, or when we travel to Newcastle, or when we travel anywhere, we're immediately put under pressure. And the extra effort and the home crowd is utilised, and it's a leveller. We don't level things up at Old Trafford. We seem to be dominated home and away. We seem to have less of the ball, less of the chances. And we just seem to go into our shells and immediately on the back foot. And we play back foot football all of the time. It's crazy that Ange Postacoglu can go to Tottenham 
and suddenly they can be a front foot team. Liverpool absolutely dominate teams from start to finish. Manchester City do the same. Arsenal do the same. Everybody in that top half of the table is pretty much doing the same. They are dominant teams unless they come up against each other. Even Chelsea, that is their goal, despite the fact they have had some poor results against teams who like to sit in in the low block. Chelsea are still dominating that ball and trying to break these teams down. Now, as things move on throughout the season, I think Mauricio Pochettino will be able to work things out. I think he will be able to bring in his own signings and Chelsea will improve and they will get better at breaking down the defensive low block. There's no signs of improvement in terms of what Manchester United are doing. There's even no identity there. There's no overriding identity where you say, okay, I get it. This is what we're trying to do. It's not working at the moment, but I understand what the project is. I was even willing to give Ten Hag a complete clean slate and say, okay, last season he worked miracles and proved that he was a top manager by getting us in the Champions League and doing it by not fully being able to play the way he wants to play. The Ajax way, the pressing way, the possession dominant way, the pressing the fullbacks up and having your sweeper keeper and allowing your um, your centre-backs to essentially play on the halfway line with the high line way. That's what Ten Hag wanted to do. He wants to press higher up the pitch. He wanted to win the ball up. He wanted to win the ball back immediately after we lost possession, utilising the midfielders who were the ball winners that he wanted to sign. So obviously he couldn't get Frankie de Jong, but ended up settling for Mason Mount. And um, then he had the the sweeper keeper as well that allowed the the fullbacks to get forward and allowed the centre-backs to stay on the halfway line. The problem is, is that the sweeper keeper has not turned out to be a competent shot stopper. In fact, he's been someone who's cost us multiple games and has probably been the worst Ten Hag signing that he's made. And that's even worse than Mason Mount, who's been a complete waste of money. When you think of the fact that James Madison is a Manchester United supporter, was a Manchester United supporter as a kid, and he was available to sign, and we paid more money for Mason Mount in the final year of his contract than Tottenham did for uh, James Madison. That is absolutely ridiculous and appalling business from Manchester United. So it's been a poor window. These are Ten Hag signings, as far as I know, and Ten Hag signings have not worked out. And on the pitch, I don't understand what we're doing. Are we going all out and are we using Ten Hag's Ten Hag strategy until it works? Are we going to just carry on with it? Or are we going back to the counter-punching style that was successful for us last year? I cannot see what we are doing. It seems to be a mishmash of both. It seems to be a complete disconnect there. And what it leads to is Manchester United coming out and being completely disorganised and putting out the poorest performance of the season. Uh, And Newcastle should have won that game by three, four, or maybe even five goals. And we can't turn around and say it was because we had to get on a bus. It was because our flight was cancelled. Because if we've reached the level where we are prima donnas to the point where we play like that because we didn't get to travel the way that we wanted to travel, then that is even more appalling and an even further indictment of where Manchester United are. So you can ban the media. You can say that they shouldn't say this and they shouldn't say that and they should come to us first. And we're going to play that press conference in a minute. But at the end of the day, somebody needs to find out what the issue is there with Manchester United because these types of players, either they're massively overrated and massively overpriced 
or there is an underlying problem there as to why we go to every single game, don't take it by the scruff of the neck, and are essentially dominated by everybody. Yet Ange Postacoglu can walk into Tottenham Hotspur, Tottenham Hotspur, and they could be a team who try to dominate games, have a style of football, and know exactly what they're doing. And even the players who are underperforming and look like they were on the way out, like Pasuma and Emerson Royale, suddenly they look like players who are worth their transfer fee under Ange Postacoglu seems to be getting a tune out of everybody, yet Eric Ten Hag at the moment is getting a tune out of absolutely nobody. And I said the Everton performance was good. I said even the Galatasaray performance was good. And um, the, the, the blame solely lies with Andre Anana for that one. There's absolutely no excuse. Andre Anana now talking about possibly turning down Cameroon for the African nations. I'll fucking fly him there. I will pay for him to be flown to Cameroon and for him to play the tournament because we need to. We need to, at this point, see what Altai, the other goalkeeper, needs to offer. So that solely lies on Andre Nana. Nothing tactical, nothing by way of effort, but then to come back again and put out this effort against Newcastle and then to say, oh, it was six, it was three games in six days. No, no. That is not acceptable at all. Um, and I don't care about planes and, and buses and whatever excuse you want to throw out there. Um, that was a fucking dog shit performance. And those players who play that way are not fit to wear the badge. And that, you know, largely brings me on to, to Marcus Rashford, who I do want to talk about. But if I start specifically talking about Marcus Rashford and his performances this season and the perception of Marcus Rashford among some supporters and the reality then this is going to turn into a one-hour podcast and we really want to get this out in time for you guys to listen to the preview for the Newcastle, uh, for the Chelsea game, sorry, and especially the, the press conference, which I'm going to play in a second. Before I do that, let me take this quick pause to tell you guys about Bet Rivers, who are brought to you by today. Bet Rivers is available in over 14 states, plus Ontario, Canada. Bet Rivers has some of the best live betting markets in the space. Their betting menu is second to none, including a ton of props. And depositing withdrawing is super easy on Bet Rivers as well. So sign up using our link to get a risk free bet of up to five. $100. Just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash betrivers. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash betrivers. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. G-A-M-B-L-E-R. So guys, a strong decision today by Manchester United with a formal private statement of May United about the press conference of Eric Tanaga, head of the game against Chelsea. Tanaga is not happy at all with the situation in the media and saying for people into the club, they're not happy with the leaks and the stories happening the last 48 hours after the game at Newcastle with many English media reporting different things, reporting that Eric Hag has lost 50% of the dressing room, reporting that Eric Hag has big problems with some players, reporting that players are unhappy with his methods. So all these stories in the media made Eric Hag, the coaching staff, the communication people at Manchester United and people in the board very unhappy with the general feeling in the media after the game at Newcastle. So the situation became very tense. May United decided to ban four uh, journalists from the press conference of Eric Hag. They want to send a strong message because 
obviously, as it always happens at a football club, a big football club, there is some player unhappy, but this is absolutely normal in many different clubs, there are players unhappy. Obviously, some players are not happy with the general situation and also with some specific situation. We know also the situation, for example, of Jadon Sancho, who is always in the reports and from what I'm hearing has not changed. Sancho is still expected to leave in the January transfer window. Then let's see who is going to be in charge with Sergio Bradcliffe, who is going to decide and what kind of decision they will make on the formula of the transfer, if he can leave on loan with Juventus interested, if he's going to leave on a permanent transfer. So many things to discuss. But for sure, Man United wanted to send a strong message. They are supporting the manager. They are with the manager. And this is why they want to stop all the stories on the English media in the last 24, 48 hours. Hi, Aaron. Hi. Um, it was obviously a challenging game at Newcastle, a difficult day. Um, lots of things have been brought up since then. What's, what's your reaction? Uh, we, we had a week with two good performances and one bad performance. So and from there on, we carry on. I think the team is in the good direction. I think we played very good football. We scored brilliant goals against Galatasaray and against Everton. Um, so against Newcastle, we didn't play great. We knew that. We were not happy with that performance. But although we stayed in the game till the final moment, uh, with a little bit of luck, even now, uh, we had two good opportunities in the end. So we could have even still a point. So yeah, if we are um, a little bit more determination in such a moment, I think yeah, we could have taken some, something with it. But still, I think yeah, uh, we are in a good direction. We are in the ranking. Of course, we dropped, but I think we are not too far away. So, yeah, we are okay. You've, you've mentioned previously togetherness and unity as key attributes. Do, do you believe that you have the buy-in required from the players to make this job, this club, successful? Oh, yes, I'm sure. <laughs> but um, you, you can see, uh, um, for instance, the comeback against Brentford the Burnley game the Fulham game so every time uh, the team is there uh, showed great character um, uh, so great determination resilient um, so yeah we are together and you can see you can't play such great football what we did lately uh, if there is no unity Eric is, it, is that is that your answer because there's a, a number of media outlets who are not here today because the club weren't given the right of reply over suggestions that some of the players are unhappy with you, some are unhappy with the training. Um, how, how do you address that? Because people just don't make things up. Well, but they should come to us first and not go around uh, in uh, our back printing Articles, uh, that's not the right thing. I think we have a, another relationship uh, and then they can, if they sh uh, should uh, give that to us beforehand, uh, we have a, a normal and a professional discussion and debate about it. I mean, did, are you at all concerned that what is being reported, what people are being told, that there is truth behind that? Clearly there's an issue with Jaden Sancho, uh, which we're all aware of, and you've spoken about before, but are there issues with other players? I, I know what you mean about about 
the, the games, but behind the scenes, are there issues? No. They're, of course, man, they are always in every team. Uh, players who are not of less playing, they are less happy, but not, not different as, as normal. And, and such tensive fields is, you need that. And uh, they have to take for it, they wait for the chance and they can come. But no, there are no issues. Eric, it's quite personal, the things that have been suggested, uh, your tactics, your uh, discipline. How do you respond to that? Is, is, as far as you're concerned, you won't change? Or are, are you open to the suggestions of players to maybe change certain areas? I listen always to my players. And I give them always the opportunities to tell. And if um, the players have a different opinion, of course I will listen. But it, they haven't told me. Or yeah, maybe one or two. Uh, but it's about, so in general, uh, so the majority, uh, they want to play like this. Uh, proactive, dynamic, uh, brave. That is what they want. And uh, you can see the players are behind it because of the performances against Everton, Galatasaray. And uh, we are really improving. As you see that goal, do you think that you can make a goal like we did against Everton? If the players didn't embrace it, what do you think? Is it things like that have happened today give a sense of, I don't know, disorder around the club? Is that fair? Is that a fair representation of this club? So, but <laughs> not in the dressing room. And I don't know what you were. Uh, of course, there are a lot of rumors about uh, strategic review, uh, but it's not that we get distracted from it. Uh, we are uh, on the journey, on the route. Uh, we know we are still in transition, but we are in the wrong, or we are in the right direction. And you see it, and uh, like how we construct a team, how we develop the team, how the team is progressing, how, in, how young players coming in. Uh, and you see the potential, how they can contribute uh, to a very successful Manchester United for the future. Thank you. Eric, um, you, you talk about the performance against Galatasaray and um, not so much against Newcastle. The lack of effort, I think, has been, been criticised quite a lot by certain individuals. Um, I'm sure that's something that you don't ask your players to do before they take to the field. Where was that lack of effort? What it, where did it come from? Because I think we could all see that certain individuals weren't tracking back, they weren't helping out their full-backs in other positions. And surely that's something that you're not saying to your players. But, so, we are not robots. And if you play three games in six days, tough games, and yeah, by the end, fatigue can be an issue can never be an excuse, but uh, uh, but it's there. And against Galatasaray, against Everton, we played very good. Uh, against uh, Newcastle, we were not happy with our performance. And uh, we are the first to say, and the players are the first that they are so uh, self-critical that they admit this. So uh, we know, and we have to do better than this. Last question in this section, Richard. Hi, Eric. Um, obviously, Marcus Rashford has received lots of um, negative 
attention after the Newcastle game. Um, how is he feeling? Yeah, how is he feeling? Everyone is disappointed if you have a, 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 the result in Galatasaray and then the performance and the result in Newcastle. But yeah, but if you go to Newcastle, yeah, we are not the only team who's losing there. I, I think, I think every. Uh, they had a home record. They win all the games apart from Liverpool, where they were leading, and the opponent was downsized to ten. And then they t- get a turnaround. Apart from that, everyone is losing there. And um, but it doesn't say we want to win there. And we did everything that was in our power. But yeah, definitely our performance wasn't good enough. Everyone's losing at Newcastle, so it's fine. Apparently, not exactly what he said, but not a big fan. Of that, usually, as I said, big defender of him, but not liking to hear that. Um, reluctant to obviously be drawn on Marcus Rashford. I'm not. Um, absolutely sick of Rashford now. Sick of this world class tag as well. Sick of some of our supporters treating him like he's our version of Kylian Mbappe or something when he is massively inconsistent. In fact, his most consistent trait is his inconsistency. That that pretty much sums up Marcus Rashford. He's consistently inconsistent. And when he is on form, when he is world-class, um, it's maybe 25% of the time. And that's the thing with Marcus Rashford. He has two levels. It's complete dog shit or world-class. And he's never average or good. He's world-class or dog shit. But it's 75% in the dog shit department. And it's that 25% world-class, those world-class performances that seem to have deluded supporters where he does have flashes of Kylian Mbappe. Now, for me personally, I'm not a big Kylian Mbappe fan because Kylian Mbappe at the highest level only has flashes of brilliance himself 25% of the time. And I think if you put Kylian Mbappe in the Premier League, he may end up looking something like Marcus Rashford. And if you put Marcus Rashford in France, he may end up looking like Kylian Mbappe. That is my belief. I do believe that the comparisons between the two players is fair. But that's only because I'm not somebody who massively highly rates Kylian Mbappe as much as other people. Because I've seen him in big games. I've seen him in a Champions League final. And yeah, I've seen him in the World Cup final where he turned up. But I also saw him against England in a quarterfinal where Carl Walker put him in his back pocket. And Kylian Mbappe looked bang average. And Carl Walker's on, on the on the wrong side of 30. So there's there's lots of different ways to interpret things, but um, Rashford's prime is up there with Mbappe's prime, but Mbappe's in his prime 75% of the time, maybe because he plays in France and he's in incredible form at the moment. And Rashford was in incredible form last season, but he's not this season. And he wasn't the season before, and he wasn't the season before that. And that is his most common go-to, 75% of the time, Marcus Rashford is utter shit and he has a huge attitude problem. You could see it as an attitude problem when he arrives at games and the way he treats his supporters. You could see it as an attitude problem down at the ground. You could see it as an attitude problem when he crashes his car to avoid doing an autograph and drives down the road at 80 miles an hour in his, in his, in his spider car. You could see it as an attitude problem. Um, from the way that he plays his loud music in, in his car and the way that he generally 
acts with supporters and the way that he leaves training as one of the first players to leave, doesn't want to do any extra work, uh, the way he throws his arms up on the pitch, the way he's disgruntled about being played on the side where he doesn't want to play because he likes to cut inside. Well, if you like to cut inside and the manager's playing you on your actual, on the, on the side where you're actually right-footed and he plays you on the right-hand side, why don't you learn to do something where you don't need to cut inside? Why don't you learn to have a shot without coming inside? Why don't you stay behind after training like Cristiano Ronaldo did and spend some hours becoming a better player? Seeing as you've got the biggest fucking contract at the club, seeing as you're the highest paid player and you got the contract off the back of what you did last season, now that you have the contract, why don't you work a little bit harder and become that player that we gave the contract to? Why don't you become the best player at the club? Why don't you become consistent? Why don't you help us? Why don't you become a leader in making sure that Manchester United are established as a top four club and maybe a title contender by becoming one of the leaders and one of the players that we can rely on, not one of the players who's massively inconsistent on a weekly basis to the point where a lot of supporters don't even want to see you in the team. And our best performance probably this season was without you in the team. Because without Andre Anana, Manchester United go down to Galatasaray and we beat them by three goals to one. Or maybe even keep a clean sheet because Anana was pretty much responsible for every single goal. Bar the third one, maybe. But are we in a position where we're even being pressed by Galatasaray to that extent? Because the scoreline's not 3-2 if it's not for Andre Anana. It's 3-0. So... It's easy to argue that Manchester United this season looked their absolute best when Marcus Rashford wasn't there, wasn't near the starting lineup. So there's lots of ways to look at this. But the main way I look at this is that Marcus Rashford is a problem. And I've arrived back at let's get the money and let's get what we can. He's on a massive contract. He's on a long term contract. We would get maximum money for him now if someone is coming in and giving us a hundred million or, or 80 million for this problem, then let's take the money and get Marcus Rashford out. Especially if he is part of this problem, part of this rumoured click with Sancho and, and Wan-Bissaka and a couple of other players. If that is a group and it is a toxic group at the club, then it's definitely time to get rid of Marcus Rashford, even though it would upset some of our more casual supporters who think the sun shines out of his ass. And I've got lots more to say on Marcus Rashford, but I really do need to move on to the Chelsea game tonight. Before we do that, let me take a quick pause to tell you guys about Underdog Fantasy, who have a way to play alongside your favourite fantasy players all season long. NFL, NBA, NHL, college basketball and college football. Simply pick higher or lower on your favourite players' fantasy stats and cash in. So watch along, make your picks and maybe make a little cash over on Underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up with the promo code SGPN, Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's Underdog Fancy and the promo code SGPN. Let me also take this pause to tell you guys about game time. Ticket buy-in shouldn't be stressful, but it often is, especially if you're on the secondary market deciding to go at the last minute. You don't know whether you're going to get the best price. You don't know whether you should wait. You don't know whether you've waited too long. Sometimes you can find a nice seat at a nice price and not pull the trigger because you waited. And then it never comes back and you end up paying over the odds or the seat's nowhere near as good. 
Game time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports comedy and theatre near you that alleviates that stress so you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have at the actual event. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. You find tickets in the same section row for less. Game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress. Game time makes the perfect holiday gift. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code CFBX for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply, but again, create an account and redeem the code CFBX to, twi- to sweeten the deal even more to get twenty dollars off your purchase. Download the Game Time app today. Get last minute tickets at the lowest price, guaranteed. Moving on to Manchester United versus Chelsea today at Old Trafford. And not surprisingly, really, if you think about it, Chelsea, despite being lower in the league than Man United and finishing lower than us in the league last season, come to Old Trafford as the 5-4 to four favourites to win here. It's 13-5 to five on the draw and it's 2-1 two to one, plus 200 here on Manchester United. So home underdogs against Chelsea, that really does say a lot about what the bookies think of Manchester United at the moment. The fact that they probably feel like Eric Ten Hag is on borrowed time. And I believe he probably is because I do think that these next three games all at home will determine his future. And maybe if you can add one more, the trip to Liverpool, where last season we lost by seven goals to nil. So Chelsea at home, Bournemouth at home. Then the fate of the Champions League will be decided at home to Bayern Munich. And then... We travel to Liverpool. So a murderer's row of fixtures in terms of stakes. An underdog here at Chelsea, if that's a loss today, then that's seven losses in the league already this season. Eight wins and seven losses. Bournemouth, we're playing them at the most difficult time because they have massively improved. Went toe-to-toe with Aston Villa at the weekend in a 2-2 draw. Bayern Munich, they may rotate their team. They may not. They did not rotate that much against Copenhagen. That was still a relatively strong team, although a very lacklustre effort. And in Liverpool, we know they're going to try and score as many goals as possible. And it would not surprise me to see it getting close to the massacre of last season. And if ultimately we lose to Liverpool by anything more than two goals, if it is a 3-1, 4-1, 5-0, 0 Anything embarrassing, uh, particularly if they dominate the game from start to finish, then that could be the end of Eric Ten Hag anyway before Christmas. So it is a tough schedule to look ahead to. It is, I think, going to be the deciding factor. The club are supporting at the moment. The media ban is obviously a clear sign of support. But if we do lose most of these games, I don't know what an acceptable return would be. I would guess staying in Europe somehow, getting some sort of result, not necessarily in the Champions League because we specifically need a draw from the Copenhagen and Galatasaray game. So specifically needing a draw is a little bit too much to wish for. But staying in Europe, I think, would be goal number one. And then probably picking up four points, I think, from these home games against Bournemouth and Chelsea. And then losing to Liverpool but not losing by two goals or more, perhaps a 2-1 defeat, or even a, a, a maybe a 3-1 defeat where it's respectable, a 4-2 defeat where it's respectable. But I think losing 
something like that against Liverpool. Um, Not winning any of these home games or or maybe losing to Chelsea today and just beating Bournemouth, being completely out of Europe. I think these are the scenarios where we could be seeing the end of Eric Ten Hag. As for today, it's really hard to take United to get anything from this game. United have lost five of the last 11 home games in all competitions. Last season, we thought the home the home form was something that we had improved upon and that Old Trafford was going to be a fortress under Ten Hag. That's all gone out the window. We look like a completely different side. So it's very difficult to take United. Um, it's also difficult to take Chelsea. They have 11 squad players out of this game. And I would be interested in Chelsea if this was a pick'em, but a, but not as a favourite, not as a eleven to eight favourite to come to or five to four favourite now to come to Old Trafford and win. So I'm going to lean towards the goals here. Now this is a fixture that's been odd over the years. It's produced many nil nil draws, but I don't think we'll see one today. Both teams have scored in five of Chelsea's last seven Premier League away games, and. Six of Chelsea's last seven Premier League matches have gone over two and a half goals. I can't make a case for either of these two teams keeping a clean sheet. Chelsea leaked two goals against Brighton at the weekend. Man United looked like they could have conceded five against Newcastle. So I'm not going to trust Unana, Maguire and and Lindelof or or, or maybe Shaw, whoever plays centre-back for United, to be able to keep a clean sheet against this front foot Chelsea side. Whilst at the same time, I do believe Manchester United can score here against a Chelsea team who also concede too many goals. BTTS is the two is the more juice selection out of the two. I mentioned both of them there. BTTS is available at four to seven, and over two and a half goals is available at nine to thirteen. I'm going to land on over two and a half goals. Whilst I don't see either team keeping a clean sheet. And BTTS would be the safer way to go. I do see the third goal going into the back of the net. And if you were to ask me who scores it, I would say Chelsea would be more than capable of getting two goals past United here. If I was to pick a winner, I would say this is another loss for Ten Hag and United, which would be their seventh loss of the season, making the weekend a must-win game, meaning Manchester United would need to get two positive results out of a Bournemouth team who are improving and a Bayern Munich team who are unlikely to fully rotate their squad. And then that puts them... That puts us on a road to Anfield, going to Liverpool, which could, for many, be Eric Ten Hag's final game in charge of Man United, depending on the results going in there. Now, if we do beat Chelsea and we do beat Bournemouth and um, we do manage to stay in Europe, then I don't think it matters what happens against Liverpool, even if it's a repeat of last season's 7-0, I still think it'll be fine. But these are four critical games that I think will determine the future of the manager. And it all starts tonight at Old Trafford with the game against Chelsea. It'll also be very interesting to see what his reaction tonight is as far as the team lineup goes. Is he going to stick with Marcus Rashford, who was very, very poor against Newcastle, not only in terms of end product, but in terms of not tracking back? Does Garnacho start again? Does Anthony go back into the team? Does he stick with Rasmus Hoyland? Is he 100% fit? Or do we see Martial back? Does uh, does Kobe continue on in midfield? Does Luke Shaw remain as the centre-back? The team lineup will be fascinating and it will be interesting to see how many changes, if any, that Eric Ten Hag implements looking for a win tonight 
against Chelsea at Old Trafford. So that's it for me and this edition of Bet MUFC. I'll be back at the weekend to recap this game and looking ahead to the next one against Bournemouth at home. Until then, good luck, Man United, and good luck with all of your bets as always. And thanks for listening.